Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Bresky and I'm the deputy director and I'm back from vacation and we have Jorna Taylor who I have to thank uh, for hosting for three weeks. Jorna Taylor is a nonprofit consultant here in Wisconsin. Thank you for being here, Jorna. Well, I was sad to give up my hostess seat, but I'm glad you're back, Matt. Well, it's good to be back. I, I, it, it's a privilege to be able to take that kind of time off with the family. It was uh, excellent to go to New York and D.C., uh, but before we go any further, we have to introduce our other panelist, and that is Robert Craig, the executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert? Good morning, everyone. So, again, uh, it was great to be on vacation. Um, I must say, I, I really tried to do my best to unplug and, and, and spend uh, time just sort of living life without uh, through, through the mediated social media, but um, it was impossible to escape obviously more of the tragic news. Um, we've had just, we continue to have these shootings of African-American males and all different kinds of horrific kind of scenarios. Um, we are not going to talk about that today. We want to actually um, at least let our listeners know it's definitely on our minds and we're going to spend a full podcast uh, diving deeper into this within the next couple of weeks, possibly as early as next week. We're trying to we want to get a guest who can help us uh, have a smarter, better conversation. Um, but uh, we're gonna, we are going to talk more about this. And in particular, we're going to talk, uh, try to focus a little bit on how white folks, since we think um, most of our audience is white, and certainly uh, this panel is, what is our role um, and what ought we be doing um, to, uh, to, to try to help make this better. So we'll talk more about that uh, in uh, probably a week or two. So with that, though, we are going to continue our podcast. Um, we have a number of topics. We're going to talk about the new change in voter ID. We had a huge victory in Eau Claire around um, wages and the economy. And we're going to talk about the GOP convention because it is <laughs> it's just Crazy too good. Crazy town. Yeah, it's just too good. So everyone knows we record Thursday morning. So Ted Cruz, the Cruz missile has already landed. <laughs> um, but we'll, we're going to hold off the fun for later in the show. Um, and we also have a little bit of information about WEDEC that Robert is going to add. Um, but Jorna, let's get started with voter ID. You're usually our expert in this area expert, yes, uh, for the me. podcast. Um, as everybody knows, Citizen Action is very interested in this issue. We have uh, uh, Anita Johnson, one of our organizers, who spends a significant amount of time helping folks get access to, to IDs. Uh, but uh, this week, uh, we had uh, Judge Edelman, if I'm correct, had a ruling that essentially uh, says that you can now have an affidavit, sign an affidavit to proving who you are instead of you know, being turned away for not having proper ID. Jorna, details? So I heart Judge Edelman. Um, he's a U.S. District Judge who has ruled continually favorably uh, on opposing photo ID. And so to be very clear... Uh, voters that do not have one of the, you know, minuscule number of approved forms of photo ID that is in our Wisconsin state law um, will be able to, in November, not in August, this is not in effect for the primary. Good point. Good. Thank you for pointing that. This is in effect for November, will be able to go to the polls, say, I do not have one of the approved forms of ID, and they will be able to sign an affidavit stating that they don't have that, and then they will be allowed to vote a regular, not provisional, but a regular ballot. So this is a, this is a huge victory, and 
you know, following this decision, there was a ruling out of Texas as well the next day where their district court said, yeah, your uh, photo ID law is really screwed up and is going to keep people from the polls. So there's a there's a tide turning here across the country in these oppressive photo ID keep people from democracy laws. So this is very good news. It's common sense, by the way. If you're actually concerned, <laughs> if, if you're actually Wisconsin. concerned about uh, identity theft, voter impersonation, which is the reason for all this disenfranchisement, then having people sign affidavits, which is somewhat intimidating, and then having those to go back to later ought to be a sufficient check. Of course, there'll be outrage from the right because that's not the real goal at all. The real goal is disenfranchisement. And so uh, kudos to Judge Edelman for actually finding a balance between the alleged motive of conservatives and, uh, and, and actually giving people the right to vote. Yeah, and, and again, Jorna, it's important to point out this will not be in effect in August. Correct. Will be in November. Obviously, this is a level of confusion. Um, more confusion. It's probably Shocker. appropriate <laughs> confusion because um, it's moving in the right direction in terms of folks being able to exercise their democracy. But again, uh, this whole thing is incredibly confusing, and I'm sure there'll be more changes oh, God. <laughs> before November <laughs> that will continue to stay on. Well, and with the elections, the newly formed elections board that is not even a month old at this point, having just received a quarter of a million dollars for an education campaign, they've got to pivot now again, and their spokesperson is like, uh, we, we don't foresee a problem in, in doing that, but... I assume that their contract with whatever PR firm they're enriching allows them to adjust the message. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Unless it doesn't. Bring it.gov. All right. So we're going to turn to some good news. And uh, it's good news on two fronts. One is uh, it, it's going to make an economic difference in people's lives. And the other is it is the product of some good organizing of regular progressives getting together and trying to make a difference in their community. Robert, I want you to take the lead on this, but I want you to tell us a little bit more about the living wage ordinance that passed in Eau Claire County on, I believe it was Tuesday night, uh, around midnight after five hours of raucous discussion, and apparently it was a packed house all night. But uh, Jeff Smith, who is the uh, lead organizer for the Citizen Action Western Wisconsin Organizing Cooperative, played a central role along with a number of other allies up there. I believe uh, 15 Now was a, another organization up there. Uh, Wisconsin Jobs Now and some other groups uh, have been very involved in, in this. Uh, but a big victory, living wage ordinance for all county workers. Tell us more, Robert. Well, it puts Eau Claire in the lead in the state, uh, which is great, and it, it also puts a lie to the idea that only, you know, highly progressive things occur in Milwaukee or Madison, right? And so immediately, without, with very few exemptions, increases the, li the uh, wage for contractors, so that is all these people who sell us government services and then have a low-road labor strategy, many of them, to 11.68 per hour, and then it goes up to 15 uh, in increments. And so this is a great step forward. It will improve Eau Claire's economy because... When you pay people poverty wages, they can't spend in the community. So this has, and of course, Governor Walker is uh, blissfully unaware of that in his ideological cocoon. Uh, but quite frankly, this is going to put money in the, the pockets of working people who live in the Eau Claire area and uh, will stimulate the economy and will uh, add sales taxes, etc. So this is a win-win. It's a lose-lose when you pay 
wages where people literally have to be on food stamps um, and badger care while they're working full time. Whoa, which... whoa, Robert, your maths don't work out for me. I thought that if you <laughs> kept wages low, that mm -hmm. meant that companies would give back more to the community and that people would work harder right. to achieve it more. It would trickle down. Right. Okay. Uh, that's so uh, That is what... That uh, you've been listening too much to Governor Walker. We're going oh, to hypnotize, re unhypnotize okay, Jorna. Okay, sorry. And uh, say that since most of the economy is consumer economy, that when workers have money to spend on the basics, and that's what they spend on when they get money, right? Uh, then that helps the economy. But we did get uh, the usual shameless stuff from some of these contractors. So one contractor uh, the, the, from the Augusta area home, a nursing facility, uh, said this would be outrageous, they couldn't afford it, and said, we may stop providing meals on wheels, which is, of course, the classic uh, tactic. Let's find the most attractive service and then scare people that it's going to be cut off. I think we can find a way to pay a decent wage and have meals on wheels. Uh, I, I don't no. want to go too far out on a limb, nope. but... Well, I suggest that. So it's shameful how many people. It's not just McDonald's. There are a lot of people involved in promoting a low-wage economy and pitting workers and their and them making a living wage of any kind against services. And it's just wrong, and we need to say it's wrong. Yeah, Robert, I'm glad you pointed out sort of the economic realities of how how this is good for Eau Claire County. Look, these workers. We're we're talking about. Many of these folks are people who provide health, health and human services. You mentioned Meals on Wheels. Um, a lot of the kind of care that we talk about that used to occur in state institutions now occurs in our community. And if this system is going to work where we're deinstitutionalizing and trying to get folks more into the community, we need to pay the workers who do this. And many of them are employed through counties and through contractors and in these kinds of human service jobs at the county level, we need to start setting standards for these jobs in the same way that, you know, there's a movement for McDonald's and large uh, for-profit companies. Because these are folks that are providing absolutely critical services that, you know, in order to, you know, not have mom maybe sitting in a home somewhere, she can actually be in her own home. Um, these kinds of services. So I, I, kudos to the folks in Eau Claire. And the other thing you mentioned, Robert, is that this happened in Eau Claire, right? It didn't happen in Milwaukee and Madison. And uh, for folks who don't know about Eau Claire, it's an extremely progressive place and has has wonderful uh, uh, progressive organizers and leaders who were absolutely instrumental in making sure, there's a reason it was five hours, there were tons of amendments to try to sabotage this, right. and they stood strong, and that's good organizing, and a big shout out to uh, all the progressive leaders. And Eau Claire and the surrounding area has over 200 Citizen Action member owners who pay their $20 on average a month to be members of the organizing co-op, and Jeff Smith is leading them. I think the other thing is it shows that at every level, not just the U.S. government, but at the local level as well, we can accomplish big things if we just focus on it. And so that this sets a message that there is something we can do about our descent into a low-wage economy, which is, of course, not some natural phenomenon, but, but being a result of the economy being rigged against workers and average people. 
And so this is just hopeful. We, every level of government should be playing a role in uh, guaranteeing we have middle-class jobs that people can raise children with, have a home with, and, uh, and, and live the American dream on and, and w work their way up. When you keep them at a minimum wage and they're working full-time and they're in poverty, it's very hard for those families to work out. And then they become victims of predatory lenders, et cetera, whenever there's an unexpected expense. That's on everyone who promotes a low-road, low-wage economy. So with that, we are going to change gears here, and we're going to get back into the crazy world of politics that is the GOP convention Breaking currently. news. They're crazy. Oh, my God. So, Jorna. I think you're insulting people <laughs> with sorry. mental health issues. Breaking so, news. The GOP is unhinged. Unhinged. Unhinged is probably still okay. Unhinged. So, look. The, the speech that Cruz gave, and we I just want to <laughs> endorse Trump, endorse boo. Trump. I mean, we just we got to play a clip. It 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 is it's it's amazing listening. Um, so, Brian, I just want to play a little stand and speak and vote your conscience, vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution. of the New York delegation. And I will tell you, it is love of freedom that has allowed millions to achieve their dreams. Like my mom, the first in her family to go to college, and my dad, who's here tonight, who fled prison and torture in Cuba, coming to Texas with just $100 sewn into his underwear. So, Jorna, I know you're not really big into the banking system and you generally keep your money in your underwear. You learned much from the from the cruise speech this week? Uh, yeah. So I don't want to deny the hardships that um, folks trying to seek a better life coming to America face. Um, but I'm not sure that talking about underwear on primetime TV is exactly what <laughs> you're the being RNC had in mind for this particular <laughs> speech. Um, so, you know, I think... I, I believe that... Uh <laughs> That Donald Trump had eighteen million dollars sewn into his underwear when he moved from Queens to Manhattan as a as a poor boy and worked his way up. Wait, Daddy sewed it right into his underwear. I think oh he he God. might have been a richer man had Daddy sewed it to his underwear and not allowed him to unsew it. Um, you know, so obviously the biggest takeaway from the crew speech, besides being booed, is that he did not endorse Donald Trump. And hence the booing and the endorsed Trump and all of that. Um, you know, as we sit here and we do record on Thursday mornings, I get a breaking news alert that uh, Ted Cruz has ruled out voting for Hillary Clinton, but he's uh, he's still watching and listening to make that decision as to whether or not he will endorse. So I don't know. Jill Stein Jill might want to call Ted Cruz. <laughs> 
Well, he well, he, she got Cornell West, yeah, so that would be an unlikely I mean, coalition. Let's do this. Well, he got a lesson in reality. Apparently, Sheldon Edelman uh, refused to to Slapped do a meeting. Him? I mean, do a meeting with him after uh, his speech. He was supposed to be meeting with him. So uh, already, the Republicans are closing ranks. Look, they knew this about Ted Cruz. How they let that guy go up on the stage? Well, that's I the mean, question. The right. se- I mean. It's the like one thing that chair. if you remember the one thing when it was Cruz and Trump, everyone was sort of like, I mean, Cruz really like the senators hate this guy because he would stab you in the back. And so, I mean, what do you get? You get him going up there and it was all about Ted Cruz 2020. Mm-hmm. And he stabbed. That'll be a great campaign. He, he just stabbed Trump in the back like multiple times as well, Trump, Trump is did coming call out of the Ted for weeks and weeks and weeks. Oh. So I can see why he's a little sore about that. So uh, other other things that have happened this week. Obviously, we had the plagiarism, or no, it wasn't plagiarism, it wasn't. right? No, it no, spoke that, about her life. Yes, and she meant it. And Michelle Obama did not mean it when you know it was actually written for her eight years ago. It was a fitting the, the, start. The, the rich and famous are ill-served when their ghostwriters do bad. Oh, I'm sorry, their ghost, <laughs> their their fake now fall woman with her fake Facebook profile that's like, oh, I I take the fall for this, but this person may not even actually exist. This is this is a phenomenal story, but let's be real about what it's meant to do. It's meant to distract. I, I hadn't heard she didn't exist because Trump has talked about how long she's worked with him. Supposedly, and all I mean, there's a there's a few you know liberal conspiracy theories that she's not an actual person. Um, shocker, but I mean, this is meant to distract, right? I Maybe mean, this it's convention Rome is, wrote the speech. That would make sense. Yeah, this convention <laughs> is such a debacle from their white only elevators to or escalators <laughs> to their you know trying to pan the white sea of faces for any sort of diversity to just their lineup of crazy town um, well I think the worst thing because all of this is the carnival elements like so we're we're, mm. we're, we're, we're we're getting all upset about the bearded lady and, and getting distracted the chant from the audience lock her up yeah. is yeah, one nice. of the most despicable things, and that's saying something I've seen in American politics in a long time. I mean, it really does smack of fascism, right? We, we, are lo- we lock up our political enemies, because there is or no case them. to be made that Hillary Clinton should be in jail, even if you think she violated uh, various rules. It's not, a, it, not only is it not prosecutable, according to the FBI, I mean, my goodness, Reagan would be in jail. Iran-Contra was illegal, just for example. So the, so the lock her up is literally like martial law kind of uh, banana republic kind of talk. Well, I'm glad you went there because that is what I have sort of seen underrunning all of the convention, um, including right down to the Code Pink woman where people are grabbing her and thinking they have some right to just physically assault her. Um, I don't know if folks are aware of this, but they apparently had to get security for Ted Cruz's wife that because she, uh, she was being physically threatened. But uh, So they've created a... It's part of this mob... And, and Robert, you mentioned authoritarian streak mm-hmm. that has been sort of unleashed by Trump. It's part of what I have continued to talk about that I feel is sort of this wild card dangerous thing about him that is not about ideology per se. It is, um, you know, it, 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 it's incredibly dangerous. And you saw it, right? Like with that crowd, they 
literally wanted to jump up on stage and probably rip Ted Cruz apart. Well, and a, a New Hampshire rep, Al Baldazzaro, said, and I quote, Hillary Clinton should be put in the firing line and shot for treason. Yeah, I mean, come on. Uh, this stuff's uh, a nasty. Yeah. And then did not back down. Wasn't like, oh, I was just making a metaphor. He was like, yeah, that's pretty much what I think. So, so unity is not breaking out at the convention, and it has a... No, Scott Walker was a team player. He was. And gave an attaboy speech about America can do better. I would well, suggest Wisconsin can do better as well. Just Scott just Walker saying. should talk to Tommy Thompson, because he was uh, doing nothing of the attaboy Scott Walker. He was actually going after Scott Walker and questioning whether he would even run for re-election because his prospects look so dim. It was digging him, saying that, you know, when you have a 35% approval rating, that doesn't make for a re-election bid. Though he told Dan Bice this week that he's focused on his re-election. That's, That's the only other office he'll run for. Can, can we just real quick before we move on, yeah, though, yeah, talk yeah. about a really enlightening speech that everyone is talking about from the convention? Sure. Mike Pence. Oh, uh, Wait, what did no he one's talked. Did right. he speak? Yes. Oh. Right. Well, huh. when uh, you shoot off a cruise missle and well, blow I'd, up your convention. I had NPR on for three hours this morning. I don't think it came up. <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike Pence was there. And he was even joking about his lack of excitement. Well, <laughs> when you follow Ted Cruz and uh, booze and... Though there is much talk that uh, Donald uh, Trump Jr. was remarkably competent in, in reading his teleprompter. <laughs> that not should be put over somebody's knee and spanked. So, a couple other Wisconsin things that were happening at the convention, besides Tommy Thompson panning Scott Walker, he also suggested that Paul Ryan was his guy, that he would take Paul Ryan over Scott Walker for in the next presidential race. Uh, and Sensenbrenner was throwing some more cold water on the GOP, uh, said that he was very, very concerned about the... Uh, the uh, lack of enthusiasm for voting in the latest Marquette polls by Republicans down 20 points and suggest that they will get crunched if this happens and has uh, used the convention to call upon Republicans and conservatives to get out and, and encourage their Republican friends to vote. And so Sensenbrenner's very worried. Uh, Robert, I, I, I know you're a good friend of Jim Sensenbrenner. Uh, is, is, is he right here or is, is this just Sensenbrenner just uh, trying to stoke the base. He does speak his mind, and to quote one of our close allies, the blind squirrel does occasionally find the nut. So uh, that, that's what I'll say about that. I'll say we should mention Paul Ryan's speech and his presidings over the uh, gathering. There's one thing he said in his speech, getting just stripping away all the partisan stuff, which is very important for us to understand. Uh, he made the same charge he made in his poverty plan that uh, democratic proposals and legislation was not evidence-based and outcome-based, and we need to base everything on actual results. And, of course, if you look at the poverty plan, right, th I, that makes perfect sense. We agree. But then you get this right-wing pablum that's not evidence-based in any way that follows. But that's really important. We do kind of have a commitment to programs without saying what the programs are supposed to achieve. And we, sh we do need to reverse that. Otherwise, Ryan will beat us up for this. And, and try they're trying to reposition themselves. The Cokes decided after 2012 they need to seem to care more. So that's why Ryan seems to care about poverty, right, as, as one of their ma major uh, figureheads. So I think we do need to literally say we're going to cut child poverty in half, for example, which we'll be talking about more, and then have policies to achieve that rather than just saying we like the current food shares program as it exists and so on and so forth, right? And finally, rounding out Wisconsin notables at the convention, uh, 
Milwaukee Sheriff David Clark. Oh, yes. Mm, with his hat. David. Rode on in with his horse and his hat and talked about how messed up Black Lives Matter is. and Blue you know, Lives Matter. Yeah, and Blue Lives Matter and all of these things. And they that, do, but I think they always have. Yes. But they need to continue to. I agree that misunderstanding. In fact, I was asked by a national talk show host, who is this guy? They were unaware of him until he was rolled out in front of them. So I had to explain. But I said, what right wing refuses to understand is... That of course all lives matter, okay? But the reason the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, slogan caught on and has created a movement is because if you look at our policies and the way we treat people, it certainly doesn't look like Black Lives Matter. So it needs to be said. It doesn't need to be said that lives matter, right? Uh, because we say that. So it, it brings up the hypocrisy. All so cancers matter. So it's a it's a brilliant sort of pointing out of what's wrong, that our alleged, uh, our alleged values and position as a society are totally out of step with what actually happens to African-American people in our country. And, and my takeaway from this is if that jerk face, because I don't want us to get censored on air, um, runs as a Democrat, because be very clear, right. folks, he yeah. runs as a Democrat in Milwaukee, and yeah. now he has been featured as a keynote speaker uh, of the Republican National Convention, um, then shame on all of you who vote for him who think that he in some way represents any of your values at well, all because well, he is just a horrible garbage person. I just want to say, you know, I'm good at giving advice from the peanut gallery that our folks who work on candidate recruitment, can we please have a progressive African-American candidate to challenge David Clark next time? I don't know who that is, so I admit that's like from the peanut gallery, but please, that would be nice. Uh, and he's one of those people... See, I don't think he believes in anything. Mm -mm. And I think he's, uh, he's simply exploring the fact that the right is desperate for any African-American voice. And so he is simply saying anything that gets him attention and notoriety. So he's very much like Trump that way. He is just an exploitive person who has figured out an angle that can promote his career. And that's it. And who knows? Maybe he'll work for Rudy Giuliani speaking of horrendous speeches, uh, who, and of course, Chris Christie with his prosecution of Hillary Clinton based on nothing, but with apparently Giuliani is going to be Homeland Security Secretary, so mull that over as far as uh, general scariness as we begin to see the, the, the Trump allies that would actually have cabinet positions if he were to somehow get elected. Well, before we go to our furloughs, I just wanted to mention uh, that this week uh, it was announced that the Koch brothers, it appears, are pulling some money from Ron Johnson, about $2.2 million worth of TV ads that they were going to run, I believe TV ads, ads in general, on his behalf. And uh, they it was leaked this week that that will not be happening. So that's obviously helpful to uh, Senator Feingold. Uh, excuse me, former Senator Feingold. Russ. Uh, in, it's Russ. Right, Russ. Uh, it, obviously, Johnson continues to lag in the polls, but we, you know, this is going to be a close race in the end, uh, and things like this help maybe give us hope that uh, it it it. it Maybe a more difficult slog for, for Johnson than and he even a thought. thing to understand about it, because uh, people cannot take our foot off the accelerator here, right? It's a good sign, but the truth is when Democrats or, say, labor lay groups pull money out, that's kind of it because they have limited money. Right. The Koch brothers own a, print, a, a money press, basically. So they can pull all the money out, and then they can decide with a new poll to, to throw in uh, triple, quadruple sure. as much. And they have one of the things, the reason the Cook brothers are powerful is because, and this is what 
progressives would like to create and aren't, haven't been that good at it in most states. They've created a donor-advised fund, basically, where all the other crazy billionaires meet with them, and then they organize their money. So that's why and Sheldon Edelman is part of that group I uh, mentioned earlier. And so that's what – so they, there is the ability to spend – upwards of a billion dollars in this election from the uh, Koch donor advised fund. And they then hide it through organizations uh, that, are, that are literally fake pass-through organizations so that uh, you never know where it came from. And then, and then give it to 501c4s that don't have to report their donors. But if there is any report, it's from XYZ group. It's not from anything that can be tra traced back to a Koch brother or any of the other. I want to say crazy. It's wrong because we're, we're, we don't want to uh, offend people with mental, mental health issues. So we're going to say the flying monkey write billionaires. I don't think the flying monkeys are so, listeners or worry about So, Robert, Robert when, when you're not tracking down where the flying monkey millionaire money is moving this Billion, weekend. Billionaire. Billionaires, excuse me. Uh, what are you going to be doing this weekend? Is there anything exciting going on in Bayview? Uh, well, now I missed the South Shore Frolics because that was last weekend when I was in Charleston, South Carolina and went to a plantation and went to the state capitol and went to Fort Sumter. See, I'm pro going backwards to appease Matt. <laughs> but uh, since I've just been out of town the last two weekends, last weekend was for the uh, platform committee in Orlando, uh, I think I'm probably just going to, other than catch up on sleep, um, train bike, River I was West 24, say, yes. and I just put $150 into my bike yesterday, so it's ready to go. All right. Well, that's good to know. Uh, Big Labor on Wheels is down a couple riders this year. I don't believe we'll be very competitive. Jorna, what are you doing this weekend? I also just put about $150 into my bike this past weekend, and despite the heat, I will be training like a madwoman for the River West 24 because this is the first year that I'm going to solo. Oh, that's Oh, and let me give impressive. A, let me give an NPR-like pitch. Uh, if you live in Milwaukee, we go, I go to Coast In Bikes because yes, absolutely. they are in Walker's Point, but they're also donors uh, to Citizen oh. Action's annual fundraiser, and they're, and they're owned by, by a couple of very bright women. It's been a very successful business. So I do all of my bike repairs at Coast In Bikes. On, As uh, do I. On First Avenue. Carolyn on and Second Tristan Avenue. are awesome. Second Avenue. There you go. <laughs> okay. I wish I could remember the name of the... <laughs> Bike shop the, that you go to? It's in River West, uh -huh. the Broken Spock, Sprocket or the Loose Sprocket. I can't remember these guys. The flat tire? They're gonna, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm certainly not getting any discounts, that's for sure, after this botching. No, it's uh, it's on Center Street. It's actually a really uh, really good uh, uh, you, bike store. You, but If you come to our, uh, our yeah. micro fundraiser, Coast and Bikes always gives us a free tune-up, which is... A, <laughs> I believe a hundred dollar value. There you to, go. To, to use in our silent auction, and, and that'll be. We'll have more information about that later this year. Uh, this weekend, I, I'm gonna. I'm really considering going to a Brewers Cubs game. I'm very interested in. Uh, haven't been out to the park much. So when I was on vacation, for, I went to a Mets game, and that did kind you have of, to compete for tickets uh, with the Cubs fans? There's actually we do. That's the <laughs> one downside is these are kind of. It's an expensive weekend, and I think it's going to be a sauna in there, but. Uh, and then, of course, we got racing on Saturday night at Beaver Cycle Club, which is a great place to come out and watch a race. You can have a drink and eat some food on the hill there. Uh, racing Saturday night at Beaver Cycle Club. And I am a Cubs fan, so I'm actually half-tempted, I've got to mention, to see what I can get you for should. a single ticket. I mean, <laughs> this, the Cubs are in their—this this is the salad days for the Cubs, mm -hmm. we think, huh? 
So with that, I want to thank uh, Brian Wooldridge, who makes the podcast happen every week, and uh, want to put in an extra thanks to Brian, because I know while I was gone, a lot more work fell to him, and I uh, appreciate it very much. Uh, we cannot do this podcast without him. And of course, as I mentioned earlier, thanks to Jorna, who hosted in, in, in my absence. I'm the best. Yes, she is. And <laughs> She uh, was very talented. I think they're good there. Matt, you have something to worry about uh, here. I'm, I wake up every day worried. That's what keeps me going. <laughs> Every day. All right. We'll see you next week at the Battleground Wisconsin.